Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org and also ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. ABC always be celebrating. This is Dooley Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Dooley Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Ran into some people up in Columbia who were fans of the podcast. Uh, it was an interesting, interesting uh, game day experience because of the storm. It wasn't much of a storm. It was just a drizzle all day uh, off and on. But it, it really dampened the crowd up there, and it also, um, you know, probably cut down on the attendance. Twelve o'clock game. I said a week ago that I saw that Florida did not get a break playing LSU at night, but they definitely got a break playing South Carolina at noon. Now, obviously, they didn't start out that way, but eventually, uh, it wasn't like you had that deafening crowd noise that, that sometimes can affect players. The weirdest thing was Robbie and I are walking. And they have those cabooses, you know, there in the south end zone, I guess it is. And we're walking around the corner to go to Press Will Call, which is on the other end. And they're doing the uh, Gamecock walk, I guess. And players, we see players coming off, off, you know, coming through. And there were there was a line of people, but there weren't very many. I would say no more than 75, making no noise, no enthusiasm. And you just kind of felt like, that's the way it was going to be on this day. That people were not excited about this game being played at noon, and they certainly weren't excited about playing it in the rain. And, you know, a lot of people didn't show up. It was strange, though, to get out of our car in the in the parking lot, the press parking lot, go to the back, pull out my, my um, computer bag, turn around, and there's somebody with a cage, and they're unloading a live Gamecock. And I said, well, it's going to be that kind of day. But uh, to be honest with you, it was, it was actually one of the more entertaining road games I've been on just because they did a really good job with everything. They always do. Uh, Steve Fink does a tremendous job. But um, certainly during the game, I'll tell you the point where I thought Florida was going to lose was when Kyle Trask threw that interception. And it was just a terrible throw. He had pressure from Ken Law who uh, – made a great move to get past Garage. And, um, uh, you know, so he throws it up for grabs a little bit or he gets hit. They get a pick. He runs it almost all the way back. They run that draw play, which we could have called from the press box. Now all of a sudden they're up 17-10, to 10, and you're like literally, wow, Florida's going to come up here and lose this game, and all of a sudden this season's going to be about, you know, the Gator Bowl. Are you, you going to play in the Gator Bowl? That kind of thing. Um and again, I know I've been scarred. I talk about it all the time. I've been scarred by a lot of things uh, over the years of watching Florida football. 
But then the Damian Pierce thing happens. That was the single biggest play of that game. There's no doubt about it. Because they get away with something, and there's no doubt they got away with something. They got away with a, um, a, a false start. The hold, you saw Matt Austin, if you guys were watching at home, and I, I, I saw it, I guess, on Twitter, and then watched it again uh, Sunday, say that, look, I don't think it was a hold. He said he, the guy never tried to get away from him. He just kept running with him. And that's not, a, by definition, a hold. You've got to pull a guy away. You've got to make him um, hold you. You know, just having your hand on his jersey and you're running down the field. And also, by the way, which which nobody seemed to bring up, uh, the player from South Carolina who is uh, Israel – I'm not going to try that name again, but he's a really good player – also had a hold of Cleveland's face mask at times on that play. However – it was a false start. There's no doubt it was a false start. They missed it. They blew it. It was a penalty. Um, but anyway, I don't want to get into too much of the penalty stuff right now. But that seemed to change the whole tenure of the game. South Carolina fans went from cheering to booing, and Florida felt the energy. It was almost like the booing was giving Florida energy. And, of course, eventually they threw all their towels on the ground and are out in the field and – water bottles and acted like petulant babies like their coach does but um look i don't i don't blame you for being mad at those calls uh and of course the one on uh, frankie or i always say it, josh hammond should have been a penalty because trash didn't get the ball out quick enough if he throws it out there quick enough guys behind the line of scrimmage pits scores a touchdown no big deal but because he wasn't it should have been a penalty and they missed it they blew it they blew a lot of calls. There was a call early in the game. Van Jefferson ran a slant. The guy tackled him before the ball got there. Didn't call that. A lot of bad calls. You just got to get over it. You got to play around him. I've always been a big believer. Look, I'm the most critical person on officiating. My, I could write a 10,000-word essay on SEC basketball officials because I almost am obsessed with them. When I see who's Florida's got for a game, you know, oh, it's him and him. Okay, I know what kind of game this is going to be. And it, and it, I think because there, you're so much closer to the game, you, you see maybe a little bit more. And sometimes you don't see it, and you think you see it. And yet, you know, sometimes you don't. But anyway, um, I, could, I, I, I get too obsessed with the fishing, but I also know – the number one rule and the duels rules is you have to play around bad officiating because you're going to get it. The umpire strike zone moves all over the place. That's up high today. It's down low tomorrow. It's over here. You got to play around it. Replay has helped in so many ways get things more right. But as I say all the time, they don't get it right. They get it right more often. They still don't get it right. We all know that. What do you do? I don't know. Um, we're going to have Dari Noka on here from the SEC Network. who does a great job and, and a great guy. And uh, we'll have him on. We'll ask him the question, what do you do? What is the answer to the poor officiating? And we saw it in several other games during the night. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll take a break, as we always do around this time. Then we'll come back. We'll continue to tus- discuss – the Florida-South Carolina game. Again, no Thursday podcast this week because there's no game. I really 
and I think I know Robbie's in the same boat. Kind of, we all kind of need a couple of days off because they're in football season, and it's it's a labor of love. But you don't get days off. You, you're working seven days a week. You may only work two hours on one of those days, but you do work. You are working seven days a week, especially with the travel. We all just kind of need to decompress because we know what's coming next week. It, one of the biggest Florida Georgia games in history, and we'll talk a lot about that then. We're not going to worry about it right now. Right now, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and continue to talk about Florida versus South Carolina. And eventually, we will get into the games that are coming up this weekend. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits in Florida is family-owned since 1936 and longtime Gator supporters. Did you know Touchdown Terrace was named after the founder, Jack Holloway? There are 122 ABC locations throughout Florida. Shop online at abcfws.com and pick up in-store on the way to your tailgate or game day party. ABC has walk-in coors for beer and amazing deals every day on wine and spirits. Save $10 on every $100 on wine. ABC Wickers, proud Gator supporters. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Again, Dari Noka will be our guest in just a little bit. Uh, but I did want to continue talking about this Florida-South Carolina game. It really had a took-care-of-business took kind of feel um, after the game. The players were all coming in just, you know, all right, great. Yeah, we got that one out of the way. Now let's, let's, let's get off. We get an off week. We can heal up and come back and play this huge game against Georgia. Um, but that's what you had to do. You had to take care of business. You had to do whatever it re- was required to win the game. And that's what that's what college football is. You know, it, yeah, it's a handful of plays and a handful of games. But it's also you have to – when you're not your best, you have to find a way to beat teams you're better than. In other words, Florida's better than South Carolina, not by a ton, not in personnel, not by a ton – but Florida's got a better quarterback. Florida's got better receivers. Um, could argue Florida's got a better running backs. But um, you know, it helped that Rico Dowdle went out early in the game. Helped helped Florida a lot there. Their offensive line's better. I mean, you can go position by position. The bottom line is Florida's is better than South Carolina. Not a lot, but a little bit enough to win the game without having to play your best game, even with the game on the road. Crowd was a little dampened their enthusiasm. To I think my wife used that cliche last night. Well, actually, it's not a cliche. It's more of a play on words. Anyway, um, so you have to you have to find a way to win those games. If it means you have to outscore the team, fine. If it means your defense has to be on the field a lot and you're having to make goal lines, whatever it takes, win by one. And they did. Well, they win, didn't win by one, but they got the job done. And that is sometimes a difference in the level of coaching ability. 
I'm not saying Will Muschamp's a bad coach. I'm, I'm, I understand why he got upset. Probably shouldn't have thrown as big a tantrum as he did. I always wonder what, you know, and, and this goes to the, the whole thing with uh, Jeremy Pruitt grabbing the guy's face mask and um, uh, Jimbo Fisher doing it even more violently. Um, you know, you can't, if you can't control yourself, but you're asking your players to control themselves, and there's, there's always a fine line there with the coaches and players in terms of that. But I digressed, I think, again. Um, it was certainly Kyle Trask I, looked bad early, but it turned out guys were not running the right routes. And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised with what Dan Mullen talked about after the game. And I kept pushing him on, not pushing him, I kept asking him about it. I, w- I wanted to get the feel for it. He talked about how in practice he could kind of sense, not that the guys weren't playing, pr- trying hard and doing everything they were supposed to do and working hard at it, but that maybe their mental focus wasn't quite there. That it's a, lo- it's a long season. And don't forget, these guys started practicing in July. Here we are, it's almost November. And it, that's a long season with the two buys. This is the second buy, of course. They had played, though, after that first buy, which was all – I think I, I said this before the season. I wondered how Florida would handle the schedule based on how weird it was. With the, with the open date after the first game, now the open date before Georgia, which you like, the open date before FSU, which you like, but how would they handle it? And so far, they've handled it great. You know, they, there's been no problems. I mean, it's set up. It has been set up perfectly. And the good news that that uh, Coach Mullen revealed today to Peter Burns uh, on the on the SEC Network is that he expects Zaniga, Grenard, and Tony all to be back. All right, full strength. Let's go. Let's see what you got. Let's see if you can beat Georgia. And again, now you look at that Florida Georgia game. You go. Most teams are about the same. No, they're not the same in in terms of um, their offensive lines are the same. Their defensive line, no, they all have strengths. They both or they both have strengths. They both have weaknesses. They both have flaws. They both have quarterbacks that are that are seem to be unflappable. Although Jake Fromm, if it rains in that game, I like the Gators. Um, the bottom line is they're about the same. They're about equal teams. So. Nickel crowd, just go go play ball, see what happens. But you certainly like the fact that you have a head football coach, regardless. And it doesn't matter how you want to characterize it, how you want to put the dynamics together for why this is. But he's been the head coach at Florida now for 21 games. They've won 17 of them. That's not bad. 17-4 is not bad. One road loss in two years. And I think most Gator fans going into that stretch of Auburn, LSU, South Carolina, two of them on the road, would have said, if we go 2-1, I'll be okay with it. I'm not going to be thrilled. I want to go 3-0, but I'll be okay with it because everything will still be there in front of us. So at 7-1... You know, all you got to do is beat three teams from the East. No big. 
Okay, it's three straight weekends. You've got to be up for all three games. Think Georgia's unbeatable right now? I, we all know what we saw the last two weeks. Missouri just lost to Vandy. Vandy is still Vandy. I don't know what happened in that. Now, I will say this. Games at home, I feel pretty confident about Florida in that game. But if Keyshawn Vaughn's starting to go off, that's going to make it more difficult. They better not overlook that game. And they and obviously we know what it's like going to Missouri. For some reason, Florida never plays well there. I think they've only been there three times. And one time their coach had just been fired. But they haven't played well there. I don't think it has anything to do with this this current team. But it is a little bit of a lifeless environment there. So, um, and obviously... It's Georgia next week, man. Georgia's good enough to beat you, obviously. Georgia's good enough to, you know, there's there's a difference between good enough to beat you and 50-50 to beat you. And in fact, when the spread comes out next week, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be a pick game. It's going to be unbelievable game, unbelievable environment. But the bottom line is we'll talk all about Florida-Georgia next week. We'll have two podcasts next week. Uh, The bottom line is Florida got the job done that they had to get done. You can complain about officials. You can complain about why they threw it on third down when they were just trying to run run the clock out. I have no idea. That one blew me away. Robbie's like, why are they throwing it? Robbie doesn't really talk like that, but that's my impression of Robbie when he gets all excited. Why are they doing that? Um, So they, uh, again, wasn't perfect. Very few college football games are perfect. In fact, I would say none have ever been. 222 to nothing, Georgia Tech over Cumberland. Was that perfect? Let's go look up the stats, see if they had any penalties. Um, Like there are stats. So, Florida takes care of business, and uh, not everybody did this weekend. So, we've got a lot. I tell you what, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about some of the things that happened this weekend. I do... Since there's no Thursday show, I am going to give you spreads for this weekend's game. And also, I'm going to grade the Gators. I do it every week in the paper, games and at Gatorsports.com. But I'm going to do it for the season so far through eight games. Also, want to let you know that we're doing this thing called Pop-Up Radio. Myself and a couple of guys from the Athens paper – we did it we we taped them all yesterday it was two hours worth they're going to be coming up there's going to be some really really cool stuff over the next two weeks at gatorsports.com make sure you click on and listen to it of course uh, appreciate all of you for listening to the podcast but the pop-up radio keep an eye out for that coming very soon um should i get right to the grades or go to the other games i think i'll go right to the grades here's how i would grade Florida football through eight games. Offense, I give a B. Um, not an A. I mean, it, it's obviously the running game has shown signs of life. The P. Ryan run a um, couple weeks ago, The uh, obviously the, the Pierce run Saturday. I mean, there have been signs that the running game is getting better. Still not where I'd like to see it. Still not as balanced as I'd like him to be. I don't care what the final stats show. You know, coaches always like to do that. Well, we, we, we ran it 31 times and passed it 32, so we were pretty balanced. Now, you were throwing every down, and finally at the end of the game, you ran it a little bit. Um, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I think the offense is a good, solid B. What Trask has been able to do, what the receivers have lived up to their 
preseason bill. It, it's not, you know, like Van Jefferson caught no passes this week despite getting tackled on a, on a play. Instead, it was it was Swain. Grimes had a couple of nice plays. And Pitts, who has just become a staple. You know, they didn't even go to Cleveland in that game, I don't think, once, did they? Maybe once. Um, and now you're going to get Kadarius Tony back. So they live up to it. The offensive line is almost exactly what we thought they'd be, which is an offensive line that would be – Struggle early and get better as the season's going on. They are better. They're still not real good, but they're better. Um, they're the they're one of the things that keeps it from being a B plus or an A minus. Um, but um, everything else, I think, has been pretty good. So good B for the solid B for the offensive defense. I'm giving a C plus to, and that may seem like a low grade, but man, these last two weeks have kind of changed my opinion of this defense. Now, healthy. Maybe this is an A-minus defense. But I, I can only go with what I've seen. And, and what, we're see, what we have seen was that what, what they did against Auburn was, was incredible. It was an amazing performance. But you got to do it every week. You can't just do it on certain weeks in front of the home crowd. Next week would be a good time to do it again. But if Grenard and Zuniga are truly healthy, okay, and they, they can get through the practice and everything healthy. And it appears that Marco Wilson and C.J. Henderson have decided to show up. And I'm not saying they weren't before, but I think there was something kind of there in the back of their minds. It's not uncommon. You see it happen. You especially see it happen with basketball players who decide, well, I need to start shooting threes because that's what the NBA said. But you see it in football too, and I think those guys are are ready to go for the for the stretch run. Let's go win this SEC Eastern Division and go play in Atlanta. I think uh, that's just my impression. And again, I'm not around them all the time, but I think that's what I saw. So uh, that, that that defense has it still has a chance to be a B plus A minus defense. It's right now though it's a C plus just because of the way they were gutted. Last week, this week, they, they struggled to stop the draw plays. Uh, they were playing against a, a quarterback who was hurting and, and uh, did a pretty good job against him. But I, I just don't um, – I don't see this as a better than a C-plus defense. However, I know it can be, and it might be in two weeks. Uh, special teams, I give a B to. You have to uh, be happy with the way your kickers are kicking – you have to be happy with the way that Florida is covering kicks. When there are kickoffs that are returned, they've been down there. They haven't let a big play happen all year. Uh, punt wide, punt coverage has been good. What Florida hasn't done is run back kicks. They're almost at the point where they're not trying. And a little bit of it is, you know, where the where the ball goes, you know, high punt. You know, you don't want Freddie Swain trying to take it with a guy right in his face. 13 return kicks and punts this year out of 68 it doesn't and, and the other thing is Florida really hasn't seemed like they've tried to block anything so they're one for two on on fake punts yeah they're they're a good solid B though because Townsend's been good obviously and and McPherson I think has been tremendous that 48 yard field goal was a big deal on Saturday um you know to get get them on the board so overall grade i give them a b plus and you go well, wait a minute 
The total is greater than the sum of the parts there, buddy. A B, a C plus, and a B doesn't equal a B plus. That's because I don't do a coaching one anymore. I don't do a coaching ranking. We stopped doing that many years ago. Um, there's a lot of reasons for it. One day I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it on here. But I give coaching an A minus, and that A minus gets that up to a B plus. Coaching because of the job Mullen's done, and I'm talking about everything, okay? I'm talking about what you do all week in practice, what you are able to get out of your team, what you're able to do with halftime adjustments. It hasn't been perfect, and Todd Grantham's been struggling because he doesn't have those ends. It's been, a, it's been rough for him. But I think overall, this has been an A-minus coaching job so far. They're 7-1. and one. They're seventh in the country. That's pretty good. <laughs> Last I heard. I don't know. In my world, it's, it's awfully good. So I, I get, that kind of brings up the grade. Um, we'll see what happens uh, in two weeks. All right. Take a break. We're going to bring on Dari Noka from the SEC Network. Can't wait to talk to him. And then we will uh, come back and we'll talk about some of the other things that happened over the weekend. I may go a little long today because there's only one podcast this week. And uh, don't forget three things still to come. All right. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast, and it's a great pleasure to be joined by Dari Noka. You know him from uh, the SEC Network, who does a great job on that. He is a Sooner. We'll, we'll get the, that out there right away, and he's, <laughs> he's pretty happy with his football team right now. But, uh, you know, Dari, when you were here uh, speaking to the Gainesville Quarterback Club, I told you that it used to be that when you get home after a game, you'd flip it over to, to ESPN or, or, or find highlights. But now everybody goes to SEC now, and I think everybody really gets a kick out of the group you've got together there. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, that, that's what we want, you know. I mean, with all due respect to ESPN and SportsCenter, you're going to have to wait a little while for your highlights, but you know we're all over it. We've, we've put a team together, Pat, that I think um, – I think we work really well together. The chemistry is is, I think, pretty evident on set. Um, it's it's equivalent to real life. I mean, the three of us are all uh, Chiswick, Doring, and myself have become really, really close. Um, you know, we have a, a lot of fun, kind of throwing barbs back at each other. We can all give it. We can all take it. Um, you know, self deprecation is not an issue with us. We're good at that. So hopefully, we hopefully we're entertaining, informative, uh, and I know those two can analyze the heck out of anything. So it's been really good for us, and hopefully for everybody watching. Do you ever have to calm Doring down when he's watching a Gator game? There is no calming Doring down. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, Chizik and I just sit there and we laugh and we laugh and we laugh some more. So it's been good, you know. I mean, he's he. You want him to be that, you know. You don't want him to necessarily be that on the air, but off the air, let him be a Gator and let him have a lot of fun with it. And you know, it's great. It's great. So it'll be really interesting uh, with Georgia coming up. That's going to be the. That's when he's going to really be tested. Yeah, that, and no question that that's going to be an interesting game. Everybody, both teams seem to be getting healthier and I think that's what's great about the bye week but uh, the results of this weekend there was one major surprise one one game that blew us away and and I I will tell you that more than Wisconsin losing to Illinois Vanderbilt beating Missouri mm. just blew me away and I know Missouri's only played one row game and maybe that was a factor but it's going to Vandy's not exactly difficult no 
<laughs> it's not one of those things where you don't just walk into yeah. Vandy and win. Yeah, you do, actually. Most teams do. That that got me, too. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I had looked at Missouri as a team that would not have st- shocked me at all if they were in Atlanta. And the scary thing is uh, they still kind of control sure. their own fate to Atlanta. Uh, you know, they've got to go to Georgia. They get Florida at home. We've seen what Missouri the last two years has done against Florida, and it hasn't been pretty for the Gators. So, you know, I, I, I think Missouri is still good enough. I think we've seen some flaws in Georgia. Um, you know, and, and Florida has certainly not been whole really to this point, and, and the Georgia game will get a better glimpse of, of, of them. But, no, that was – you know, I, I would argue uh, – that that is probably a more surprising result in the SEC, Vandy beating Missouri, than than was South Carolina beating Georgia. I didn't see it. Yeah. I didn't see anything from Vandy that would indicate they could beat Missouri from what we see. Yeah, I wondered if they had any quit in them, you know, because they they were it was just so bad. You know, they're, they're every home game they're getting they're having uh, the opponents got more fans than they do. They're, they're mm-hmm. they can't play defense. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how much of, you, of the game you're. I know you guys usually monitor all the games, but I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, obviously, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn had a really nice game. We've been kind of waiting for that, uh, and I know I'm spending way more time on Vanderbilt, Missouri. But I just it, it's it's boggling my mind still. I'm tr- still trying to figure it out. No, I am too. Va- Vaughn's a stud now. Like I mean, if yeah, he is. If they don't, if he doesn't get the ball thirty times, however they need to get it to him thirty times, the entire offensive staff should be fired. I mean, that's just. He is by far their best player. Vaughn is a top five player in this conference, regardless of position, in my opinion. I mean, he's that he is that good. Uh, and if they're doing that and feeding him the football, however they can do it, now they've introduced a little bit of a quarterback run game with Mo Hassan, who showed he's got some wheels. Now they become a little more dangerous offensively. But there's still, again, no excuse for that Missouri team to walk into that stadium and lose that football game. None. But I'll say this. You talk about does Vandy have any quit in him? People want to put Derek Mason on a hot seat. You tell me at t- like who's going to get more out of those guys than he does. I love the dude. I, I think everybody loves the dude. He's easy to root for. Uh, you can't dislike Derek Mason on a personal level. Um, I think he's done as good about as good a job in that in that with that program in the time that he's been there, as you can ask somebody to do. And I realize James Franklin won nine games twice. I, I get all that. But, you know, how many coaches have they had not named James Franklin? I think Derek Mason's done a good job. You know, going to the Florida-South Carolina game, uh, you, you guys were sitting there and you are watching all these calls that went against South Carolina. And and as we pointed out, a lot of calls went against Florida as well that they yeah. did they missed. Um, what is there an answer to making officiating better because, look, they missed a ton of calls in that football game, no matter who you were rooting for. And and it's, it's kind of disturbing to see that many missed. Uh, I agree. And I don't know what the answer is. And that if there is one, it's lying somewhere in the brain of Steve Shaw or Greg Sankey or somebody in Birmingham because um, – I, honestly, I don't know. I mean, these, this is not a year-round job for these guys. This is There are going to be mistakes made. Fortunately, it doesn't seem like it's often that you have this many game-changing mistakes being made, but these were game-changing mistakes. I mean, there's no question. You know, I... You know, I had a conversation with Steve Shaw Saturday night, and nobody's denying that the false start was missed. Um, 
there's no denying that that was clearly offensive pass interference from Florida on the touchdown that, that kind of sealed that deal. And it's disappointing. I don't blame Will Muschamp for being livid, but how do you fix it? I don't, I don't know how you fix it. Uh, these guys have other obligations. They've got other jobs, other responsibilities. All of these officials do. So what are you going to do? Let's say you make it a full-time job and you pay them all whatever a good full-time wage would be, and they don't do anything else. Are you going to do that? I don't think they are. They'd no. be the only league in the country that does do it. And until that's the case, you train them like you train them, you test them like you test them, like they're doing right now, and hope that this doesn't happen. But I don't, I don't think there's an easy answer out there. All that said, you have to give uh, Dan Mullen credit uh, for what he's been able to do and, and to just go up there and take care of business and have guys stay with the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things went their way in, in a lot of ways. Uh, certainly the fact that it was a noon game in the rain didn't hurt because the crowd wasn't, wasn't into it as much as they normally would. But we're talking about a guy who came in here and, and has won 17 of – 21 games uh, as mm-hmm. a Florida coach and all around us we look at the Scott Frost and the Willie Taggarts and the Chip Kellys of the world that were considered candidates and makes you wonder why Florida just didn't run to Starkville and, and bring him back on a on a train <laughs> you're right uh, and I think a lot of it is what that dude does with quarterbacks you know and, and I think it's hard to compare I think you could make the the Mullen and Taggart comparison because both rosters were pretty well loaded. Although some would say and have said that Jimbo kind of quit recruiting at a at a at a point in Tallahassee, and if that's the case, then that's the case. But you know, Frost Frost is going to Nebraska, and he's you know he's trying to you know convince a fan base that believes they should still be winning championships because they did 25 years ago. That yeah, we can still be winning championships. He doesn't have a roster. It's a bad roster. They're not even close. Um, the Florida situation, as he did, he walked into a good situation, I think, a talented situation. And not only that, his track record with quarterbacks speaks for itself, and that's evident right now. We saw a marked improvement from Felipe Franks last season. We've seen Kyle Trask, who didn't start a game in some seven years, step in and, frankly, look comfortable uh, and make more throws that, that you want to see than the throws and decisions that you don't want to see. He's put these guys at that position in a position to succeed, just like he did with Nick Fitzgerald, who did not have a lot of arm talent, or Dak Prescott, who nobody knew, and now he's you know obviously a star in the NFL. So his, his quarterback record speaks for itself. His recruiting ability in the state of Florida, which he'd obviously had years before and continued at Mississippi State to a lesser degree, it all shines. It, that's a spot that makes perfect sense for him. Maybe Taggart doesn't make sense in Tallahassee, you know, Nebraska is just—it's got its own set of challenges, and frankly, should have never left the Big Twelve, and that was its biggest mistake of all time because they have no recruiting base anymore. And so that's just going to be a project that Frost probably won't be able to fix, and I don't know who will. But Mullen happened to be the right guy at the right time with a good roster in a program in a state that he knows well. Before I let you go, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the big game uh, Saturday. Of course, uh, LSU and Auburn, and my you know after watching LSU with my own eyes, I always feel like you see a game differently when you're at the game. Watching LSU, I walked away from that and said they're going to kill Auburn because I had just watched Auburn <laughs> yeah. the week before, and Bo Nix looked like a freshman. And then you see what Bo Nix did to Arkansas and what they did, and you're like, well, maybe they have a puncher's chance. They're 11-point underdogs. How do you see that game? 
I think they've got a puncher's chance, uh, but it's not because of Bo Nix. It's because of the defense. I don't. I, I don't think there's any doubt that defense is is good enough. Uh, I think to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable, and really nobody's been able to to some degree. Florida did maybe from time to time, but overall, you know, Burrow kind of had his way. I think with Florida, I think Auburn defensively is considerably better than Florida. That's not a knock on Florida. Auburn's just that good. Um, they get pra- they get pressure to anybody, and they can do it without necessarily sending the house. So now you've got more people to drop into coverage to make Burrow think twice, or maybe make a decision he probably shouldn't make. Auburn will get some turnovers. I, I think this will be Burrow. Burrow's worst game, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a game that that costs LSU. I expect LSU to win. Um, that as far as that number at eleven, I think I think that's a realistic number that Auburn stays within. Um, and again, just because of the defense, and frankly, how do they run the ball? You know, and, and are they creative in the run game like they were getting into the hands of receivers? They love the jet sweep, and it works more than it doesn't. And if they're able to do that to some degree against an LSU defense that has looked uh, good in games uh, that are fewer than in games where they have looked good, then Auburn maybe scores enough points to keep it interesting. You know, like 27-20, I could see something like that, but I would expect LSU to win. If you think our boy Peter Burns is going to be nervous this week, what do you see in the week of November 9th? He's oh, there's gonna, no doubt. He's going to be gonna, a mess. He is, and he's going to have a second child by that point, That's too. right. So, yeah. He, he, may be, he may be a really tired mess, but he'll be a mess. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time, Dari, uh, and uh, we are just know that we are living in a world where it's really possible that Ed Ogeron is going to be the SEC Coach of the Year. We ne- are. Never we, thought I would see that. No, you know what, though? Good for him, man. I'm happy for him. Very, very happy for him. Dari Noka, we appreciate his time. We'll be back with more on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. I'm your host, Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com, and this is a duly noted podcast presented by Zaxby's. All right, so much uh, thanks to Dari Noka, great guy. When he spoke here, uh, they talked about the the um, fund that he has set up because his son, infant son, passed away, had a heart condition. Um, and I, I should have looked that up before I came in here. That's silly. But anyway, the, the quarterback club actually gave – they usually do a 50-50 raffle. They gave it all to to the fund, and you can find it easily. Just look up Dari Noka's name, and uh, it, it's it's a very, very good cause. Uh, so, But appreciate him for being on. Okay, other games that happened over the weekend, there is a lot of uh, – and this was a great uh, column by Matt Baker, my friend from the Tampa Bay Times. A lot of smoke about Willie Taggart, and he his thing was you can't afford to fire him, you can't afford not to fire him. Because if you don't fire him soon, you're going to end up with another Willie Taggart. If you do fire him after the season, um, go ahead, get rid of him, pull the Jeremy Foley, which is what has to be done eventually needs to be done now. What? How does that go? What eventually must be done should be done today. I don't. He had that saying. It was a great saying. I, it was so great. I can't remember exactly how it works. But Willie Taggart is now eight and eleven. As a coach at Florida State, and I know Dario was talking about Jimbo's pulling the ripcord and not really recruiting great. The last they've got good players, they've got good enough players to be better than 11, 8 and 11. Um, again, Saturday night, he ices his own kicker who hasn't kicked in almost a month. 
and he misses a kick that would have won the possibly would have won the game. They're playing against a backup quarterback. They they still when when Wake Forest has to have first downs or or, or get points, they get it. And Wake Forest isn't a bad team, but they're not a great team. The thing is about the Willie Tiger situation, the hot seat he's on. I would almost be tempted to do it today if you really feel like it is not going the right way. Because the problem is he could easily win his next four games. So now he's got seven wins. He's going to a decent bowl. They'll go to the F- the Florida game and, and with nothing to lose. Who knows where Florida will be injury-wise at that point. So, um, But again, if they go eight and four, people are going to be back in love with them. That's what happens a lot of times as a, as a coach. You, you, you've thought about it, and this guy is just not working out. Then he goes on a streak. Don't forget with Will Muschamp, after he lost um, – they got to a point where he had to win out pretty much in his last year. Um, and they did. They start. They went on a roll. They won a couple of games in a row. Then they go to the Florida-Georgia game. He gets the monkey off his back. And, you know, they, he wins that game. And you're like, holy cow, he could save his job. And then the South Carolina game happened, and that was it. He was fired the next day. Um, so it, you got to be careful there, certainly. But it's – you look who they've got the next four games. Syracuse at home, which isn't anything big. There will be nobody at that game. Uh, my, I know they had like 46000 for Louisville. It might be under that. If they get any weather at all, it could really be ugly. But Syracuse, I don't know what I don't know what the deal is with Syracuse. This was a team everybody loved. Everybody had in their top 25 in the preseason. They got destroyed by Maryland the second week, and you just went, well, maybe we were wrong, and we have been wrong. Uh, I, I, FSU sh- should beat them, but FSU should beat a lot of teams that they don't beat. Then they get Miami, and Miami is just lost to Georgia Tech. That's all you need to know. Georgia Tech's terrible. Then they get Boston College, which isn't very good, and Adazio may be on his way out there. And then Alabama State, so easily four wins before they play Florida. So um, we'll see what happens there. Okay, so that's what's going on there. The Tua injury, certainly a big story the fact that they're doing this surgery, it's its a theoretical surgery is the way it was explained to me, that if you do this, it's called tightrope, where you take a ligament, you wrap it around something. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. And they think it will add, it will make his recovery time better. He had it on the other knee or on the other ankle last year. It's going to be interesting. My gut is he's not going to be anywhere near 100%. That's just my gut. Not no, I mean I know a little bit about surgeries, having had so many. But um, at any rate, interesting that also that Alabama LSU, which is in three weeks, has been pushed to or put on the three thirty spot. I I don't understand totally um, the way things work, but I believe it, it's because they took CBS took Notre Dame Georgia as their primetime game. I thought they got two, maybe they only get one. It's too complicated for me. But here's the thing, and I, and I was telling this to my wife. I was trying to explain it to my wife last night. Notre Dame, Georgia is a bigger game nationally than LSU, Alabama. Well, what do you talk about? LSU, Alabama, they're both going to be a defeat. It's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, as a football game, better game. As a brand, still, you had Notre Dame. You So you bring in the whole country when you bring in Notre Dame. 
and it was a great game, and I'm, their ratings were really good. So that's my that's the only way I can think that they were thinking it. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens at Tennessee. I wouldn't think uh, Jared Guartano. I can never say his name right. Guartano will be around much longer after he went rogue. And if you've not seen exactly how the play was designed, it would have he would have walked into the end zone, the running back. Instead, he decided, without telling anybody, to jump over the top, fumbled, 100-yard touchdown the other way. Alabama does still doesn't look great. Now, I know that they had to play a lot of the game with Mac Jones as their quarterback. There were some awful calls in that game as well. But all that's going to matter for Alabama, they get Arkansas this week, right? Which is like a bye. Then they get a bye. Can they put it together at home and beat LSU? That's the whole season. It's, the season used to be about Auburn, but not not this year. Um, and I can't – we talked about it. I don't understand Missouri's loss to Vanderbilt. It boggles the mind, but that's what college football is. There was a moment Saturday when we're sitting there, the game's almost over, and I hear somebody talking about – there's a buzz in the press box behind me about somebody losing, and I'm like – are they talking? Is it? Are they talking about Miami's game or what are they talking about back there? And I was like trying to figure out who was playing. Somebody finally goes. Somebody goes. Yeah, they, they, they lost. And everybody's like, "Whoa, wow!" I go, "Who lost? What's going on?" Finally, somebody goes, "Wisconsin lost to Illinois." And I'm like, "No, no, no! That can't, could not have happened. There, it's an impossible thing." But it happened. Takes a lot of the luster off of that game. This week, but I'll still watch it. As you know, we're actually going down to Chris Harry's birthday party, but uh, on game on Saturday. But we've got a plan worked out where we're going to watch a lot of football. You can't take open week football away from me. You can hinder it. You can make it less desirable. You can't take it away. I refuse to allow it. All right, because there's no Thursday, going to run through some spreads real quick. Spread them. Illinois, which I never thought I'd even be saying this, is an eight-point favorite against Purdue. Okay. Mississippi State, 10 points. Underdog to A&M. A&M, is, is A&M the biggest fraud this year? Uh, that's that, 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 that question I probably should have asked, Dari. Is A&M the biggest fraud? Because they're nothing special. They have no good wins. A lot of us thought they were going to be good. A lot of people thought they were going to be good. You left Hoover, Alabama thinking they're going to be really good. They're not good. And we knew the schedule was brutal. They haven't They haven't lived up to it. They haven't, you know, kind of stepped up and said, um, yeah, our schedule's tough. But that's the way – in fact, this is what Jimbo said in, in Hoover, Alabama. Yeah, that's the way you like it. You want it to be a tough schedule. It's the SEC, blah, blah, blah. They'll beat somebody. Uh, FSU is a 10-point favorite over Syracuse. That's how bad Syracuse is. Uh, Missouri, given 10.5 at Kentucky. Very tempted to pick Kentucky in that game. But I don't get Missouri still. I still don't understand them. Next week, I think, or or so maybe it's a week after that to get Georgia on the road. Ten and a half. But Kentucky, I don't know what their quarterback situation is. I mean, it was painful to watch Lynn Bowden playing the other day. I mean, that was that was rough. 
Uh, and I mean, it's not his fault. He's not a court. He was a quarterback in high school, but you know, he's playing in the rain and having to navigate that. It was it was almost as bad as watching Jake Fromm play quarterback. Alabama is only a thirty-two and a half point favorite over Arkansas, and that great John Chavis defense. Um, South Carolina four point. I'll be really interested in this game. South Carolina at Tennessee. South Carolina is a four point favorite. You know. It's I always the week after Florida plays a team, I'm always fascinated to watch their next game and see how they play. For example, LSU played they got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then they eventually blew out Mississippi State. Because uh I'm not again, Mississippi State, I don't know where they're heading. What's what's going on there? Uh Pittsburgh plays Miami this week. They're only a five point favorite. That seems low to me. LSU is eleven over Auburn at home, so they're a they're less of a favorite over Auburn than they were over Florida. I find that interesting. Um, maybe it's because of Auburn's defense, I guess. Probably is. There's a part of me that can see a path to Auburn winning that game. I will be rooting for Auburn. I can see a path. It's just not very clear. It's like a like there's trees hanging over it and i think there's a big pothole up there and you know there's a was that a wolf well you know there's a path (laughs) you just got to navigate it i don't have to they have to and notre dame getting a point at michigan that's gonna be a tough pick because michigan played really well in that game saturday night i mean it was you know they're right there guy drops the ball in the end zone would have tied the game Notre Dame, I'm still, you know, by the way, I, I did straighten out my poll. I dropped Notre Dame below Florida. A lot of people were mad at me for not doing that earlier, but I did it. Okay, let's go ahead and do three things. It's time for three things. Number one on three things, the uh, USA Today can, came out with their highest paid football coaches all their complete salaries. Dabo Swinney leading the way, $9.3 million. So you got Dabo, Sabo, which is what I call Nick Saban, but not to his face, Harbo, and Jimbo. Those are the four highest paid coaches. Nick Saban is making uh, 8.7, Harbaugh making 7.5. It's not considered a bargain. <laughs> Uh, Jimbo 7.5. Again, maybe overpaying slightly for those guys. But um, Mullen's at number 10 at 6.0. Nobody's going to argue that he doesn't deserve it. Uh, certainly not right now. Um, he's um, – he. I, look, people want to talk about coaches being overpaid, and I get it, and it's fine. But in like most of that money – comes from the athletic association which is the private you know business it's not like it's coming from student fundings but i also get people who feel like oh you know we've got a nobel prize winning um professor over here he's making two hundred thousand a year now there's probably a nobel prize winning professor going i don't make two hundred thousand anyway it's just the market it's what the market value is it's what it brings it is funny how the coaches who are making the most money seem to be the ones that are most against some of the licensing dabo 
anyway all right number two uh this week um it uh, there's there's a couple of stories going around that, about the Florida Georgia game getting extended. We all know it's coming. Uh, it, from what I was told, they have, everybody hadn't signed it yet. It'll be signed eventually. It'll happen. It'll probably be announced early next week. You know, as we're going to be here forever, and you know you're not because we can still we still need leverage. It's no big surprise. Uh, no matter how much Kirby Smart made a. A fit through a fit about not getting recruiting night recruiting games at home. He felt like they were suffering as, as if his recruiting is suffering. Um, and would here's the other question I had: Wouldn't that also help Florida's recruiting because they would get a home game every every other year too? Huh, Kirby? Think about it again. Might help Florida more more than it helps you. Anyway, irregardless, there are too many people. With a lot of money in South Georgia, there are too many people who want to go to South Georgia and uh, Amelia Island and places like that and have a nice long weekend. It's too big a deal. You're, I don't think it'll ever leave there, and I'm, I'm good with it there. It is a great experience going to that game. I'm glad I've been to – God, it's – I don't even want to think about it. Is it 40 games? 40 Florida Georgia games? Maybe. It's cool. It's really cool. It's really cool when Florida wins, though. Finally, number three, um, one of the great stories of this week was Casey O'Brien, four-time cancer survivor for the Minnesota Golden Gophers, and they put him into to hold, I believe it was, on three extra points. And uh, very emotional unbelievably touching great story and the big 10 went a step further and made him the special teams player of the week that was the coolest thing i saw over the last few few days that was very cool and uh i i use the word cool way too much so let's use it one more time you know what's cool gators are ranked number six in ap preseason basketball you know who doesn't think it's cool mike white mike white would love it if florida was unranked He's one of those guys who doesn't pay much attention to that stuff, but he really doesn't. He doesn't want people to have too high expectations. But number six, I don't know if that's that's even close to right. I don't know how good Kentucky's going to be. They got a lot of good players. Most of them are young. Guess what? That's the way it always is. Florida's going to have a good year. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But there's only one school in the country that has top ten teams in basketball. And football, not to mention being a public university. Oh, drop the mic. Get out of here. Thanks so much to Dari Noka. Appreciate his time. Thank you for listening. Again, we'll be back with you next Tuesday where we'll talk about the games of the weekend. We'll start previewing Florida, Georgia as well. Don't forget, pop-up radio. Make sure you go on our site. There's going to be so much content there. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun saying I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here.
The Duly Noted Podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's or order at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org and also by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. ABC, always be celebrating. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.